You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Okay. Hey, let's just keep this going the whole service. That'd be, that'd be really helpful. So, hey, uh, my name is Alec Jackson. I'm one of the pastors here at The Creek. And uh, this morning, uh, man, if, if you're just a guest with us this morning, I'm so glad you're here. I we, honestly just want to say that again. I know we've said it already, but personally, I'm just really glad you chose to worship with us this morning. So um, with all of that being said, I want to start this morning um, talking about restarting our purpose. And so I um, just kind of want to ask a, a pretty general question. Um, have you ever been in a season um, where, where you didn't really know your why? Like, like you didn't know why you were in the season you're in, didn't know why you're at the job you're at, anybody? Yeah. Uh, you didn't know what your reason was. I've been in a lot of seasons like that. I've been in a lot of jobs like that, just to be totally honest. Uh, my, my first job... Some of y'all had some terrible first jobs, I'm sure. Um, I had a terrible first job. Um, I, I worked at um, a tiny, greasy, hole-in-the-wall, terrible restaurant. Um, if you know them because you're from Houston, just ignore what I'm about to say. Um, but uh, the Catfish Cafe in Humble, Texas. And, I mean, it, it was... Um, fried catfish and fried shrimp and fried whatever else you can possibly fry. And it was a nightmare of a place to work at because at the end of the day, um, like there would literally be um, a line somewhere on my shoe of, of where the grease literally stopped flowing over my feet in the kitchen. It was disgusting. You can't shake that smell out of you. Like this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting and like (laughs) nasty, y'all. It was nasty. And uh, man, I I just like, (laughs) it wasn't a good job for me, right? I I hated, I wasn't even the cashier, okay? Like I wasn't at that level. Um, I was, you know, 16 years old and I was on prep, which in a restaurant like that means I spent hours every day deveining shrimp, which is a process. I, just trust me. If you don't do it, just trust me. Like, not fun. And, and here's the thing. I, I would go home every day and, and just kind of wonder, like, well, why? Like, what, am, what am I doing? There have got to be better jobs out there, right? And and it was terrible. Like, literally, I would get to my mom's house, and she would make me strip before I could come in the house because of the stink that was coming off of me. It was a terrible job. It was, it was why. But, but here's the interesting thing about that. I, I, would, I would go home and just wonder why every night. But today, like, honestly, I love my job. Like, I, I mean, I really do. I, I think student ministry is one of the most fun best jobs a person can be. I mean, it's a blast. And, and every time we get to have students in the room, I get to see lives transformed. I get to see the gospel move forward. I get to see the church built up, not the church of tomorrow, but the church of today, right? Because that's what students are. It's awesome. I love my job. And honestly, like I've worked at a lot of churches <laughs> and, and being at the creek is the freshest breath of freshest air that you could possibly ever get. I mean, we have problems, no doubt, <laughs> like at all day. I mean, for sure, we're people, right? But, but we are healthy 
And man, like working for Matt and Heather and, and being here with you guys, it's the best. Like we have a wonderful church, but, but here's the thing. I still, on occasion, have mornings when I wake up before a staff meeting and just, just go, why? Like, what am I doing? Have, have you ever been in a great job, great position, great place in your life and still wondered, like, why? What am I doing? Like, why those big questions still haunt us no matter what season we're in, right? And, and so this morning, um, I, I really just want to talk about purpose. I want to talk about the why, like the bigger why, not, not for a paycheck, okay, although that's important too, but, but the why of whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's a job or parenting or, or whatever it is that you find to do, I just want to talk about the why behind it. Because here's the reality. Um, when we struggle with our purpose, everything else gets out of whack, right? Uh, when, when you don't know your purpose on a Sunday evening before Monday morning, um, you are going to experience the Sunday scaries, right? You're going to have, you're going to go, man, I need to watch a little bit more Netflix. need to maybe have another glass of wine. Like, oh my gosh, tomorrow's the day I start work again. And, and, and so I just want to address the why today. I honestly want to talk about that with you. And so um, my hope this morning um, is that you would walk out of here um, with a little bit more purpose than you walked in with. So can, can we pray after that this morning? Let's pray together. God, thank you for this morning. Um, and thank you, um, just first and foremost, God, that you don't do things on accident. That you act with intentionality and purpose. And God, because of that and because we model you, um, we, we know that you've given us purpose and you've given us um, something to do. And so we just ask that you would reveal that to us this morning, um, whether it's in a really general sense or, or honestly, God, if there's something specific that you have for us to do in this season, God, we just ask that you would reveal that to us. Help us. Um, we need you, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and flip over to the book of Colossians this morning. We're going to be in Colossians 1, and we're going to pick up in verse 3. And just so you know, um, Paul, as he is writing the letter um, to the church in Colossae, is actually, like, like he's not on a writing vacation. <laughs> uh, he, he's not taking a, a trip around Europe for fun. Um, he is actually in prison as he's writing this letter. And, and that'll become more important as we go through this. But let's pick up in verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. Now, just, just real quick, I just want to point out something cool here. The book of Colossians was written somewhere between the 50s, not like the 1950s, just for the record, um, well, another day, uh, not, not in the, but the 50s and, and probably 62 before the collapse of the temple, right? Um, and, and so uh, just something to keep in mind here is that as he is saying, um, just as, as it has come to you, as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing. I just think it's really cool that already that short of a time after the death and ascension of Jesus Christ, that, that Paul can go, look, at, look around you. This thing's moving forward globally. 
globally. I just think that's cool to remember. And then to remember that today, that we are, like in this room right now, a part of that same fruit. That we are connected to this bigger story. Like, like you know, we're, we're a long way from Israel, right? Like you get, you've seen a map before, yes? Uh, we're a long way, and the gospel has advanced so far as to come into Saginaw, Texas this morning. And that is a wild, wild thing. And so here's where he goes with that. As it does also among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. I would love for the creek to be a place that's known for their love in the spirit. But here's, here's, a, here's a really important piece because we're about to get into something that relates to purpose. And, and so from the day, verse nine, we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Now, just, just real quick, if you're fully pleasing to the Lord, hard to get a, li- a little higher than full, right? Like that's, that's difficult to do. And so here's, here's what I would argue. If you're fully pleasing to the Lord, then arguably you're living into the purpose that he has for you, right? Here's, here's that purpose. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So real quick, I just wanna point out three things that happen in this passage that are the purpose that God has created you for. Here's the first one, good works. Let's go less religious. God has created you to do good things in the world. He's created you for that. And, and so um, he uses the analogy of, hey, bear the fruit of good works. And it's a really simple analogy. If you plant a seed of a certain kind in the ground, what's going to grow out of the ground? Whatever you planted, hopefully, right? Like unless science has changed in some ways, you're going to get what you planted. God here is saying... Christians are the sort of people, not because of their own strength or because of their own goodness, but because of what God has done in them, that when you plant them somewhere, good works are going to flow out of their lives. That good things, that the world will be positively impacted because Christians have been planted in a certain place at a certain time. And that's really cool. So we were created to bear fruit in every good work. Here's the second thing we were created for, growing intimacy with the Lord. Growing intimacy with the Lord. Um, you were created to be in a deepening, not just a deep, but a deepening relationship with the Lord. And so um, just real quick, how's that going for you? <laughs> Do you have a deepening relationship with the Lord or has it stagnated? Because here's the thing, um, and, and you may know couples like this. Um, there are couples um, who have this beautiful picture of marriage in their minds, right? And, and the whole time, like as they're getting ready to be married, as they're in the dating process, courtship process, I mean, they're doing 
all the right things. I mean, they're cutting hearts out and laying them on their couch. Like they're dropping flowers. They're delivering chocolate. They're going on really cool, actually planned, thought out dates, not just chilies, although chilies is great in Jesus' name, but actually, actually thought out dates. Man, you're doing the whole thing. Like you're being cute and funny. And, and then when you get married, <laughs> for some people, that stops, right? It stops. Listen to me. First off, that's not the way marriage is supposed to work, right? You should continue to date your spouse. Didn't know if you know that. Um, but two, in your relationship with the Lord, it's not this buildup to salvation and then go, okay, now I'm good. We're saved. Now, I know you can't take my salvation away because you promised that. So I think we're good, God. You do your thing, I'll do my thing. See you in like 40 years or so, right? Or less, you know, but we're called to have an ever-deepening relationship with the Lord. Are you in one? Or have you stagnated a little bit? Just a question to ask. You were designed to have a relationship with the Lord that's growing. Here's the third thing. Um, You were designed for gratitude. You were designed for gratitude, giving thanks, verse 12, to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. You were designed for gratitude. And and listen, um, gratitude, especially around Thanksgiving, becomes this really like fluffy, cute, list your blessings thing. But but listen, it goes so much further than that. If you get gratitude, that's going to change everything else in your life. It it just is. Because here's what I know. Um, it is impossible for me to wake up in the morning feeling angry and being filled with gratitude at the same time. Uh, real tough. Like maybe you can pull it off and you're a, man, good for you. Not at all, actually. But um, if you can pull that off, that's great. It's really difficult for me to be stressed out of my mind and also thinking about all the good gifts that God has given me. Really tough. And so if you get gratitude, I promise you it's going to change. Like it'll change your emotional state as you're able to remember not just the cutesy good things that God has given you like a cappuccino, which is good, but, but the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. Like, that's a different level of gratitude. And when you get that, that's going to change some things in your life. And so, listen, that's because you were created, designed to be filled with gratitude towards the God who created you. It's a pretty cool thing. And so we've been called to gratitude, but we've also been created for gratitude. And here's what's interesting about this is what that means is is that your purpose, if, if those things are true, then your purpose goes beyond your place of employment. Your purpose goes beyond wherever you do nine to five or eight to six, or if you're an accountant during busy season, eight till midnight, whatever. Um, it goes beyond that, right? Because here's how we know that. Um, Paul is in prison as he's writing this. And if Paul finds his purpose in his job, that's not going well, <laughs> If his job is tent making, okay, or, or let's even, let's get more spiritual, okay, because you're, you know, we're church. If his job is church planting, 
and he's in prison right now, he's failing at his purpose, right? But, but that's not true. That's silly. <laughs> that's a short-sighted way to view purpose, right? It's because here's the reality, is that Paul is sitting in prison, and they're singing hymns together, and all of the people who are sent to be tough and guard him and keep Christianity from exiting the prison keep getting saved, like he's literally just like praising God in a jail cell and everyone can hear him. It's like, you know, this doesn't seem like a bad idea. Uh, what? <laughs> like Paul is living in his purpose of good works. Right? He, I mean, he's literally writing a letter to the persecuted church for goodness sake. He's exercising gratitude every time we think of you, I thank God. And what else? He's got an intimacy with the Lord that, that honestly, most days I long for. And I've gotten breaths of that, but he's got a beautiful picture of that in this text. And so he's living into his purpose. And, and here's what that means for us. Because I don't know about you, but I've had some terrible jobs, just honestly. Had some really hard seasons. Some of those seasons were even in churches. But here's the cool thing, is that no matter what your nine to five looks like, your purpose is way bigger than that. Your purpose goes way beyond that. And, and God has given us this, this huge picture of what that looks like, and it's that you would be in the world changing things for his glory, walking with him, and exercising gratitude for who he's made you, how he's called you, and what he's called you towards. That's a difference, Right? That's a difference in the way we view purpose. And so we've got to live in that and not just vacation in that. But, but the, the thing I want to tell you today is um, the problem with that, it, like if we're being honest, is that's really general, right? Like that's the least specific thing I could ever say to you about your purpose. And, and most of us, if we're, if we're really honest, in this season, not just in general, want to know, hey, what has God called me towards? What does God want me to do here, now, in this season? Where should I serve? Who should I talk to? Who should I be? Where should I be growing? All of those questions, right? We want the specifics. And here's the problem, <laughs> I can't give that to you. <laughs> I just, like, I just can't. I'm not omniscient. I'm not the Lord. I can't do that. But today, I, I do want to give you um, just kind of three ways to process towards that, to kind of figure out, hey, um, I may not have all of the specifics, but let's move towards maybe what the, what the God of the universe is shifting me towards. And so here, here's the first um, kind of lens to put this around. If you want to look at restarting your purpose, here it is. Realize your story is found in God's story. Your purpose is found in God's purpose. Your purpose is found in God's purpose. And so um, verse three says it this way. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit, and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. So what is Paul doing? Really quickly, here's, here's all he's doing. He's drawing a line for us between the big C, right, universal church, and pointing that line to the church 
at Colossae to then move from not, not just the local church, um, but, but moving from the local church to the individuals in that church. And he's going, listen, um, you heard this truth from a single guy named Epaphras. And so he's, he's, what he's doing is he's painting the picture that we're in a bigger story than one about us. This story's not about us. And the point here is not to go, look, we've, we've got this really cool club. It's expanding around the world. You, you might want to be a part of it. It's like uh, the YMCA or the Illuminati. I don't know. Like, it's not, just for the record. But the point is not to go, look, we've got this cool club. The point is to go, your story is found in God's story. Your purpose is found in the purposes that God is already enacting across the world. And so as we think about that, um, let, me, let me just speak really clearly. Um, God's plan to redeem and restore the whole world, um, to bring about justice in a way that we can't imagine and mercy in a way that we can't imagine is intimately connected to the way that you live your life. Like, unbelievably connected to that. Here, here's what I mean. We tell a lot of stories to ourselves about who we want to be, about what we want to do. I, I know that because like January rolls around, right? And I'm like, man, I'm going to be a fitness beast this year. <laughs> hasn't happened, but <laughs> I know you're like, yeah, well, you know, no, <laughs> just, it just hasn't happened. But, but we tell stories to ourselves about who we want to be. And, and so maybe here's an example of how a story can shift when we connect it to God's story. Maybe your story is that you want to be a good parent. And maybe, listen, maybe that's attached to some baggage, right? Because, you know, your parents were kind of wackadoodle. And, and you gotta, you got to do some damage control on your kids. And, and, and you want to be a good parent. And listen to me, listen to me. That's a good story. But a better story, a story that's connected to God's story, is I want to be a great parent. And I want to disciple my kids to know Jesus. Because as they know the Lord... They're going to be world-changing kids on a mission to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the world for his glory, and they're good. See how that's a different story? Like, you, you see that? So maybe you want to launch a business. That's a good story. You know what a better story would be? Because of the way that the Lord has acted in my life, I want to create something in an industry so that that industry is a little less dark, so that, that pe those people in that job, in that career, in that industry are more compassionate, gentle, kind, and justice-seeking for the glory of God. You see how that's a different story? We've got to connect our story to God's story, no matter what you're doing, parenting, careers, driving to the mall. What are you doing it for? Why? We've got to connect it to God's story. Here's, here's the second thing about that specifically is if, if our story is about us, um, that's self-interest. But if it's connected to God's story, it's worship. It's worship. So here's, here's what I want you to see. Your purpose is defined by the needs of those around you. Your purpose is defined by the needs of those around you. Verse 10 says it this way. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Here, here's what I want you to see. Um, when I think about purpose, 
Um, I think about David's story. Yeah, I mean, even if all you've got, like you haven't been to church in like 30 years and all you remember is the like <laughs> Sunday school stories that your mom made you go to, like, like here's what we've got is we've got a guy who was selected like as a kid, anointed as king. It's a really weird story, a bunch of dudes, taller brothers, and then David's in the sheep field and he gets called out of the sheep field and there's a lot going on there, right? But, but the next place we see David after he's anointed is where? Back in the sheep field. Back in the sheep field. Really kingly position, let me tell you, right? And, and then the next place we see him is, is going to battle, but, but he's not there to go to battle. He's there to bring cheese and wine to his brothers, right? Get the bigger ones who are actually worthy to be in the battle. And then, and then what we see is what happens next, the story you know, right? David goes to war with Goliath. And it's awesome. And because he was willing to step in and fill a need in front of him, God's people were rescued out of danger, right? And, and here's, here's what I want you to see about purpose. A lot of us want, um, if we're being honest, like God to just kind of <laughs> show up in our room one night, like with a Shekinah cloud of glory, like you've got candles lit, you're listening to the Braveheart soundtrack, like you're praying, whatever it is you do. Okay, Gaithers for some of y'all, I don't know. But, but here's the thing, you, you want, another day, you want the Lord to show up and to audibly go, hey, Jimmy, start the business. That'd be awesome. Hey, go left. Don't go right. How, how, and, and hey, let's be honest. Like, that would be awesome, right? Be incredible. But here's the problem. Most of the time, <laughs> it doesn't happen like that. It doesn't happen like that. But, but listen, it didn't happen for David like that. David saw a need in front of him and got into that need and said, hey, the Lord can do something in this situation. And because he was willing to step into that need, God did something incredible. And so where you see a need in front of you, listen, God gives you your purpose by placing needs in front of your life. He does. So, so your family members, your coworkers, your wherever you are, even needs that are way bigger and beyond our ability to fix, God has placed those in front of your life so that you might be a piece of meeting that need, so that you might be a part of extending God's glory over that need. And so, um, man, when David saw the need, he stepped in. And, and here's what I want you to see in that. Um, you were placed somewhere on purpose. You were placed somewhere um, on purpose. Um, even... Like, as I think about um, some of the darker seasons in my life, just honestly, some of the worst jobs that I've ever had, um, some of those were also seasons where I learned the most. Uh, honestly, I, I even think about me being a 16-year-old punk at the Catfish Cafe. Horror of horrors. Don't send me back there, please, in Jesus' name. But um, here's the thing. I, I learned how to work hard. I didn't know how to work hard at 16. I needed to learn how to have a bad manager. I, not that y'all have been there, of course. If your manager's here, don't nod. But um, here's the thing. I needed to learn gratitude. 
Because you know what? Every job after the Catfish Cafe, I've been able to look back and go, man, I'm glad I'm not there. You learn things. And here's what this means. Hey, God doesn't waste a season. God doesn't, like, you may be in this season right now where you're like, man, I feel you. I'm there now. And I want you to hear me say, God's not going to waste the season that you're in. God's using it to shape you, grow you, consider it all joy. Why? Because he's in it. Because God is in the season that you're in, and he's using it to shape you. And so God has placed you specifically on purpose, intentionally. He has placed you in a specific family, at a specific job, and it may not be the one you want, but it's the one he's got you in intentionally. And while you're there, he's called you to do something. Here's what I want you to see. He has made you for a specific time, even, a specific place. Acts 17 says this, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods, that's time, and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that's space. And he didn't only place you, but before you even existed, he he made something for you to do. Here's how I know that. That's a big claim. Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his worksmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That we should walk in them. Um, There is this beautiful book in the Old Testament, a beautiful book in the Old Testament um, called Esther. I don't know if you've read Esther. Crazy story. Honestly, one of the funniest stories in the Bible. I just love it. It's, um, it's hilarious and awesome and ironic, and there's a whole lot going on there. Take the time to read the book. It's great. But in the middle of this horrible situation um, where God's people are about to just get crushed um, Esther is able to, because of the position that God has placed her in, because of the situation that God has put her in, she has a moment where she's able to intervene for the people of God. And here's what happens. Um, Mordecai sends this really cool letter. Mordecai is her boy, her friend. Um, I, and there's a lot going on there that we don't have time to get into, but he sends this letter and he says this, if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise from the Jews for another place. Listen, God doesn't desperately need you. If you don't step into the role and purpose that God wants to use you for, he'll use somebody else. And, and that's okay. He wants to use you, and here's how I know that. But you and your father's house will perish, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom, and here's the key phrase, for such a time as this. For such a time as this. He's asking Esther, hey, what if God was intentional about where he placed you? Like in time and everything that's happening in your life got you to this place so that you could meet the needs right in front of you. And in Esther's case, it happened to be saving the nation of Israel. But in our case, every believer on the face of the planet can go, I was made for such a time as this. And know, and you may not be exercising it perfectly, that God has placed you in front of needs that only you can see. God has placed you in front of needs that only you can answer. And listen, it, it doesn't have to be a need that everyone's super excited and on board with. 
It may be a need that you and you alone are going, hey, there's some dysfunction here. We should fix this. We should change this thing. Listen, some of y'all come out of family dynamics where nobody realizes anything's wrong. <laughs> Just saying, yeah, like right here. And, and here's the thing. You may be the only person going, there's a need to have some things fixed here. And God has placed you in that family dynamic so that you might be his light and his love in that place, regardless of what the rest of your family's doing. You may be in a job where people are acting wickedly. And it may seem like a mountain that you can't climb. And here's the truth, you can't. But in Christ's power, he has placed you there to be a light in that dark place. And so you have been placed in front of needs. And so here's, here's the thing. God did not roll the dice with you. He didn't. You're not a mistake, an accident. You were placed on purpose. You're a fire extinguisher placed somewhere intentionally so that when all hell breaks loose, you are there to douse the flames. And if you feel like your world is on fire right now, that's just a reminder that God has you there for a reason. And the reason is intentional and it's to meet the needs of God's people. And so here's, here's the three questions that that should lead us to ask. Here's the three questions. Um, The first question is this. Where has God placed you? Where's God placed you? And I don't mean Saginaw. (laughs) Although, I mean, yeah, okay, we are in Saginaw. (laughs) Where has God placed you? Where in your family has God placed you? Where in your workplace has God placed you? Where in America has God placed you? And how can you be used in that situation? Here's the second question. What needs are in front of you? We've got to be a people who are aware of the needs of those around us. What needs are in front of you in your family, in your home, in your workplace, in your friends, in your community? Even what needs has God placed on your heart that are things above and beyond your pay grade? That you don't have the ability to touch unless God directly intervenes. What are those needs that God has placed on your heart? What are the needs in front of you? And then here's the third question. How can you, how can I help meet those needs? How can you be a part of meeting those needs? Because let me, let me just close with this. God saw the greatest need we could ever have in our brokenness, and he fixed it in only a way that he could. And he sent his son Jesus to die a death that we could never help ourselves in. And because of that, listen, that need that we had was fixed. And because we model after Christ and not the rest of the world, some of y'all model after broken people. Some of you model after broken parents, after wicked people. And and listen, here's, here's the thing. We don't model after them as believers. We model after Jesus and Jesus met our need. So we now go and meet the needs of any who we can possibly help because God placed us on purpose to be an artifact of his glory. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that you have placed us on purpose. This morning, God, we just ask that you would um, help us be keenly aware of our need for you. And as you respond to our need for you, help us to respond to the needs of those around us. God, help us have eyes that are aware of who's hurting, where, and how we can help, God. And then also, Lord, we just ask that you would 
Line us up with the purpose that you've created us for. Give us the ability to do good works, to have intimacy with you, and God, ultimately, to have a heart of gratitude for all you've done for us. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at